0: Hello and welcome back to the Body Talk Podcast. I'm Alina Jenkins and if you've been listening to some of our earlier episodes, you know that in this series, we're trying to help you with as many tips and strategies as we can with presentation skills, with communication and also with mindset. Something that we've not really touched on yet are bid and pitch skills, and we've helped lots of clients over the years at Body Talk deliver successful pitches using the skills that we've taught them, and in some instances have gone on to win very, very large contracts. And the great thing about the skills that we teach is that they're universal. Whether you're a small tech startup or a global construction firm, they can help you. Now, this whole process is not without its pitfalls. First of all, you're bringing together a team that perhaps has never met before and putting them together in a very pressurised environment. There are behavioural assessments to consider and all the while this constant stream of questions, difficult questions coming your way. So how do you help your team deliver in the best way possible? How do you make sure that the presentation is delivered with confidence and clarity and ultimately you go on to win the bid? So to help us with all of this, we have two guests today. Firstly, Andy Williams and Andy started his career in the Royal Marines. So he knows firsthand the importance of teamwork and leadership in very difficult situations. He's still addicted to adventure and extreme challenges. He's rowed across the Atlantic in a four-man boat and he now uses all of those skills in his coaching business to bring teams together and succeed under pressure. We're also joined once again by Katie Lewis, one of the lead trainers at Body Talk. She has an extensive background as a coach, a trainer, and a facilitator working in the automotive industry, in luxury and high street brands. And she's also an expert in team and leadership development. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Andy, let me come to you first. What are the first steps that we need to think about when it comes to delivering a pitch or a bid?
1: Um, yeah, I think the first thing Alina that's really important is understanding kind of what what does success look like. Um, I guess we were all taught at school weren't we to always answer the exam question, and things haven't really changed and uh, it, it's surprising how often that uh, clients want to emphasize a point perhaps that the um, that the bid doesn't require or that is less important than others. And so the first thing to do is really dig around and say, well, what is it that the client is after? Uh, it may be obvious, it may not be obvious, um, but get that as a starting point. Um, I think then once, once you you know what that success looks like, it's, it's about having a critical look at your team. Um, so I guess it could be an individual, it could be a bigger group of people delivering on this bid. Um, you know how how well suited are their skills to deliver that that success piece um and i think once you've got those two things clear it's just about putting together a plan really so how how long do you have um before the the, the pitch or the bid uh, how much time can you um, um, dedicate to getting the team in in the best possible place to, to to win that bid so yeah those are probably the three three key things i'd say
0: I mentioned at the beginning, Andy, that, that often you have to go through this behavioural behavioural assessment. Um, but then other times, perhaps the focus and the main scoring is actually more on the presentation and the pitch. So what are, how, how do you help your clients overcome some of those challenges? Because some may not have been through a behavioural assessment before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? Sometimes it's better if they haven't. Um, because ultimately, whilst it can sound quite scary, all we're really asking people to be is uh, be themselves, with a bit of skill and knowledge um, and deliver or demonstrate to uh, the customer or the client the things that they're looking to try and see. So if it's a behavioral assessment, that, that, that as I say can sound very scary. Um, a number that we've worked on for big projects like uh, HS2 or some of the Highways England uh, projects, which are multi-million pound projects. Um, the, the behavioral assessment can be something like you know, a full day where your team is bounced in with maybe five or six uh, people from the client side you've never met before, and you're put through this day of, of, of different activities. But if you strip it all back, why, why is the client doing that? And uh, ultimately they're just trying to see what it's going to be like working with you. And if you if you kick these things off with wearing some mask and trying to be something you're not, by by the time the day's over, um, you won't have been able to hang on to that and you're going to come across as a potentially a bit shifty or, or, or less trustworthy. Um, so I think once you're clear about what success looks like, putting the client at ease and saying, look, you know, this is just about you uh, having some fun with it, being yourself with some skill, and we can help you get there over a period of time so that you feel super confident on the day to to make the thing work. <sighs>
0: Katie, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on content, because perhaps, you know, you've got the team together, everyone's working really well. But how do you make sure that your content is right, that it's landing in the right way with the the client?
2: Um, With this, we tend to share some of our business storytelling techniques. So we will, uh, we tend to find that a lot of the people that we work with are quite technically minded. So they often jump straight into all the details and the data and the process and how they're going to do it. So we work with them to share a structure to help break it down into some really simple steps. So we will help them, as I say, with the business um, storytelling. So thinking about what is the uh potential problems that might arise in this situation for the client for the team for themselves and then where might that go in the future what might um, good look like in that situation and then we will talk to them about instead of having a whole page of bullet points which is sometimes what they do is trying to break it down into three different sections so really clear three headlines three sections where they can um, build on that as they're going through but it's really easy for the audience to or for the for the um, assessment team to understand right we're talking about this this and then this so yeah really just keeping it simple also using easy language So again, because of their jobs that they tend to do, they're very technical, which is fantastic in their world. Yet when you're talking to assessors and when you're talking to people like me, I don't don't know what that means. So just having that recognition, as opposed to going to that really depth of them showing how knowledgeable they are in, in all of the acronyms and all of the words that they use, just really keeping it simple and explaining what I mean by that is this and not assuming that whole curse of knowledge Assuming that we know what they're talking about, so yeah, having a structure, keeping it nice and simple, um, and vocally slowing it down is one of the things. Um, So that helps with them as well.
0: Yeah, because I guess when we're nervous, it's one of the first things that happen. And of course, in most people, unless you're a robot, are going to be perhaps a little bit more anxious or a bit more nervous in these situations. And the first sign of that is that we start to speed up. So I think that's a really great tip, Katie, is just to slow it down. But also, you're right, keep it simple and ditch the jargon because we've coached so many people, as you say, who, who come out with, with some you know very in-depth knowledge and just go, I have no idea what that means. So it's, it's kind of... Putting yourself in, in the audience's shoes and thinking, you know, what is it that they that they want to that they want to hear, that they need to hear. Um, Andy, I just want to come back to you because you 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 mentioned at the end of our, our last little chat about sort of removing the mask, going in and just trying to be yourself, which I guess boils down to being authentic. So how how and why is that so important in this situation?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think it I think it's more than important. I think it's absolutely crucial. So we've probably all been in a situation, maybe at work or outside work, where we interact with someone and we just have that feeling that there's something about them, they're not being themselves, they're perhaps uh, trying to be something else. And it makes us feel wary about them and and not really trust what it is they're saying. So um, if we can get to a situation where people go into... Uh, any bid situation, or in fact, any discussion with a colleague or or a customer or potential customer, and really be themselves, but themselves with skill, then you're in the best possible position. Because ultimately, um, what a customer or potential customer is seeing is how you are, they know what they're going to get, and they can make a good sound judgment based on what it is they're seeing. So I guess an example with that, that would be so I was talking to one of our uh existing clients about a previous bid they'd done and they said yeah we we came up with this really really good process i think there were like 10 steps to this process and what we do when we um when we joined the team that we're going to be working with on the on the the assessment center is that we talk them all through our 10 process steps and i said well how did that go down they said well it it wasn't great it kind of fell a bit flat Um, and i said well is, are those 10 process steps something you do in a in a, in a work meeting or a, a meeting normally? They well, well, say, well, no, not really. Uh, and that's the point that we're trying to install something um, because we think it will be beneficial on the day, but it's not really us. It, it doesn't really fit with who we are or what it is that we're about. So for me, as I say, more than important, it's crucial that we get that bit right.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really good advice and something that I sometimes help clients with is... That what they'll do is they'll start by writing down what it is that their presentation is going to be about what it is the audience wants to hear and they just write it down but the way we write is not always necessarily the way that we speak so I say well, write it down but then actually just read it out aloud read it out and then you you suddenly see that little light bulb moment of oh my gosh I don't I don't speak like that so it's, it's kind of you're trying to to create this content so that you write like you speak and as you say that that helps you to become authentic Katie, I wanted to come back to you just to talk around perhaps the, the the importance of nonverbal communication in these situations, particularly now, because I think you know many of these, uh, these processes are going to be online still. So the importance of nonverbal communication and our body language when we're trying to communicate our message.
2: Yeah, so this has been really interesting actually with some of the teams that we've worked with. A lot of them haven't been used to having their cameras on. So uh, we found that they'll be having team meetings and their cameras off. They might be sat on uh, sofas, um, in bedrooms. They might not be in the office, for example. So the first thing is getting them to first of all start in the place that they're going to be having the assessment so if that is in the office in the house getting that set up correctly if that is going into the actual office then can they go and do a practice run from in there so making sure that they've got their camera set up so they come across well But then it is going into that body language. If they're not used to it, there's, it can be quite distracting seeing yourself on screen, seeing other people on screen. They often work with two or three screens that we found. So you might find that what they're doing is they think that they're talking to you, but actually they're, they're looking off the camera to somebody else, or to you on a sorry, to you on a different screen, and you're not seeing their eye contact. So trying to get them to not look at the second screen and look at the camera um, has been a bit of a challenge sometimes. But they get it; they do get it eventually. It's just habit. So making sure that they're looking at the camera, then I try and get them to start using some gestures. And uh, one of the things that we found is. Um, And Alina, we will find this all the time is that naturally, you will use Mm -hmm. gestures when you're talking to friends and family. But when we start to come online, and we're in this business situation, we tend to not use them as much. And as Andy was saying, you know, if we're not being congruent with our message if we're withholding what we normally do we start to come across as maybe a little bit shifty and untrustworthy and it's that thing where you just you don't know why but you just don't quite like or trust that person so trying to get them to use gestures and when they're on camera we're having to use them at a much higher level than we would day to day normally our gestures would be around our waist but camera we need to fit it into this box that we're now being seen in so hands tend to be kind of you know between the the neck and the chest area so getting them to practice doing that to see to recognize what they look like on screen without physically staring at themselves um that's that's uh, one of the things that I tend to work on with them a lot And using the screen as you know as a graph so if you're saying uh, we've grown the business using your hand gestures to show moving it up to the top of the screen to show we've grown it we've moved up to here or it's come down to here moving your hand to the bottom of the screen just helps your audience understand what they should be thinking and feeling at that point. So I I try to bring that in. And then thinking about the face, that's the other thing. We tend to have a business face, quite a serious face when we're in meetings. And this is about, you know, we want people to show that they're human. Again, like Andy said, we don't want them to be robots. We want to show some personality. So looking at the camera like it's a trusted friend, but smiling, softening the face, using expressions... And again, really showing that audience through their facial expressions and features how they should be thinking and feeling in that moment, so bringing that in a lot too.
0: I, I love the human graph, Katie. I think it's, it's it's such an it's such an easy thing to do with our gestures, yet it brings such clarity to a message, particularly when we're talking around numbers. And I always sort of say to clients, it's how how is it you, how do you want the audience to feel about that numbers? will show them through your gestures and your body language by by being the human graph Um, Andy. i wanted to come back to you to talk about the dynamics of teams and i would imagine certainly in your time in the military and in the marines and in your um your adventures and rowing across the atlantic is that sometimes teams don't get on and when you're you're trying to get to this goal you've probably got a short amount of time how do you kind of make sure you get everybody back on track when people might perhaps disagree or maybe even fall out
1: So um, I think the first thing is to uh, be really clear about what the the common goal is. So we found this when we were rowing across the Atlantic, uh, and I I found it in numerous other business-type scenarios, that if we're all bought into a reason for doing something, then whenever we have a disagreement about something, we can can come back to that point of safety. Um, So for us crossing the Atlantic, um, we, we we wanted to get across and stay friends and felt like we, we'd we done the best we possibly could. And all those things we felt were within our own gift to achieve. And so every time that we got into a difficult situation, we'd remind ourselves of that common goal. So for a bid, it might be um, that we, we absolutely want to win this bid um, and we want to make sure that we come across to the client um, in the best possible way we can in order to give ourselves the best chance of success and often the often a bid can be uh, in, in in addition to someone's day job so again when we're having these difficult discussions about availability we can remind ourselves of that common goal um but i guess what underpins all of this stuff is that um so the, the same kind of scenario i guess in a, in a in a personal relationship that the biggest issue um within a bid is where people don't talk about a particular uh thing that's annoying them or that's challenging them. And if we can um, get the team to to understand that disagreements and not seeing things the same way are completely normal, it's not a bad thing, Um, but the bad thing is not talking about it. So if we can get people to open up and say, hey, this is is causing me issues, then often these things that can seem uh, very large, we make assumptions about in reality kind of disappear. And then the last thing I would say is that we, we also say um, to, our, to our clients that if they're in the middle of a pitch and they they have a slight um, variance of opinion or a disagreement about something, it's not the end of the world. We can acknowledge, OK, so we're seeing stuff differently and then we can move forward from it. Because talking about being authentic and, and, and not wearing a mask in your previous question, you know, it is normal that people will have disagreements and see stuff in a slightly different way.
0: So Katie, let me just come back to you for a final time. If you think about all the clients that you've worked with over the years, helping them with their pitches and their bids, what would be your three top tips for our listeners to take away if they're going to find themselves in the same situation in the coming months?
2: Okay, um, three top tips. I would say practice, practice, practice yet don't get too hung up on it. That sounds very contradictory. And what I mean by that is practice working as teams. Practice working together rather than what you're going to say. So practice different scenarios. As Andy said, make it fun. You know, you can do team building games. You can do problem solving things. Just just practice working as a team. Um, And... Try and take the pressure off, which I know is really difficult to do. We find that once they go in there, they do start to enjoy it. It's almost the um, the nerves comes with the not knowing rather than the actual getting in there and doing it. So, yeah, practice, 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 working as a team. Second, I would say um, have a way of overcoming any disagreements. So thinking about your language, maybe instead of using the word but if you don't agree with somebody, switch it to the word and. So you're you're answering in a way that's potentially going to be less um sounding, less aggressive sounding or um, is gonna kind of diffuse a situation. So think of your think of your words, take your time, think of your words, take it slow. And then finally, I would say. Get your camera set up, get everything ready, get yourself, you know, water, get something to write with. With a lot of them, they can't have iPads or phones or anything like that. So get used to going back to pen and paper, making yourself some notes as you go through And anything that's going to help yourself from that kind of comfort level so that you can feel in a really good place as soon as you switch your computer on that day. Yeah, we we found that if people are used to working on iPads all day and then they're told that they can't have them, it's going to feel really strange when they've got to start on that day using pen and paper. So, yeah, get yourself comfortable nice and early and start using that early, early on. There you go. I think they would be my top tips.
0: No, and they're they're great great ones, Katie. Thank you so much. Um, Andy, what about you? Anything different? Anything to add on top of what Katie said?
1: Well, I I really like the one that Katie did uh, or talked about um, the practice and rehearsal piece. So I I would definitely agree with that. Uh, In addition to that, my three would be, um, firstly, get someone who's going to help you run the pitch and give you feedback, who's not not emotionally engaged in the bid itself because that way they can give you some good perspective and try and see things from uh, the clients uh, through the client's eyes uh, and really help you hone what it is you're trying to achieve. So that'd be number one. Uh, Number two would be uh, don't try and win the last bid. So often people go, well, last time this happened. And so we're going to make sure that we can deal with that thing really well. Um, Whereas in reality, every beard, um, a pitch is going to be slightly different, you're going to get different questions. Um, and so if you can have a mindset which is, we love questions because they give us a chance to uh, really t- say who we are, then you're in a better position than, than rehearsing some answers to things which have come up in the past. Um, I think la- last one, we talked a lot in this session about um, different approaches you can take and i would say if you can uh, try and make those your everyday habits rather than having something special just for the bid itself um, then i'd so take those learnings into your everyday interactions with other people then that means by the time you get to the pitch itself it's going to be easy peasy because it's just what you do every day as opposed to trying to be something which is slightly different
0: I love, I love all of the advice, um, particularly the idea, do you know what, it's just a doddle. If we, if we can just say to ourselves, it's easy, it's no bother. Um, as you say, we might enjoy it so much more. Andy, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And thank you everyone at home for listening. We'll be doing another podcast very soon. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out how we can help you with your bid or pitch process, just head to the website, ukbodytalk.com and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.